What was life like in the time of Jesus? Two weeks ago, we began exploring that question with a visit to a remarkable antiquity center in LaGrange, Georgia, that was established by Jim Fleming, one of Christendom's foremost experts on biblical archaeology. This week, we're going to continue with that visit. Stay tuned for an on-site interview with Jim Fleming in which he will focus on the Last Supper that Jesus had with His disciples. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Once again this week, we are in LaGrange, Georgia, which is a town located about 60 miles southwest of Atlanta, down near the Alabama border. And this is the location of a phenomenal educational center that's called the Explorations in Antiquity. And it was founded and established by my good friend Jim Fleming here, who is a renowned teacher of biblical archaeology. Jim, I want to talk with you about the Last Supper. And as you well know, <laughs> whenever Americans think of the Last Supper, they always think of one thing, and that's that magnificent painting mm-hmm. by Leonardo da Vinci. But there's some problems with it, Right. There certainly are. <laughs> All right. Tell us about some of the problems. Well, um, as you know, it's unique for its perspective, for the facial expressions, the hand movements, etc. It's too bad that it's daylight coming in. It was a Passover evening. Would be an evening after sun goes down. It's too bad it's table and chairs. <laughs> the Last Supper was a reclining meal. And that they're all on one side of the table makes it easy to observe the facial expressions. But um, that's not how you would be seated at the time of Jesus. So one of the things we've tried to do here is, without demeaning that picture at sure. all, help people better understand what the real setting may have been like. Okay. Uh, there's f- four words to go on in Luke 22, verses 11 and 12. Do you remember Jesus told Peter and John to make the preparation? Yes. They were follow, to follow a man with a water pot. Mm-hmm. When they got to the doorman, they're supposed to inquire of him. Jesus said, and he will show you a large, upstairs, furnished guest chamber. How would first century people understand those four words? Okay. That's what we've tried to do here. Okay. Okay. Large, mega. Mega. If it is a small room, you have a one-sided reclining table. We have such like that, where Fuza gets a little bench in one wall and a mat in front of it in our little village in the museum. Okay. It was a medium-sized room. It would be an L-shaped reclining table. You recline on two sides. But if it's a mega, a large, it's a three-sided reclining table. They use the word triclinium. Even though it's based in a Latin word, today in modern Israel, a uh, couch in a living room is called a triclin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have here uh, a three-sided reclining table. Okay. Uh, but it's a reclining table, large, upstairs. Most downstairs rooms have to have supports to support right. a heavy upstairs mm-hmm. and a roof. So larger rooms tend to be upstairs. They also, in Jerusalem, which is a hill and valley city, upstairs often has a balcony that looks out over mm-hmm. a lower roof and is lovely. 
upstairs furnished. That's actually table with mattresses. Translated furnished. It can be translated table with cushions. Okay. But in all the Gospels, they are reclining at table. Modern translations might say sat at table to make it modern. But the word is actually reclined. And it's a table with mattresses. Okay. Now my question is this. Where would the key figures have been at this U-shaped table? Jesus, Peter, Judas, John. Okay. I just want to do my fourth word, and then I'll get there. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't to get ahead of you. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, Guest chamber. All right. Cataluma. Guest chamber. It's a room where guests eat and sleep. Meaning, there's a table. This happens to be with one step down. And mattresses. If they hadn't gone to the Garden of Gethsemane, they would have slept in the room of a Last Supper. See, in your house, you have some rooms where you eat, some where you sleep. But every house that's able to afford a guest chamber, a guest room, has a place where your guests eat and sleep. And the Last Supper is clearly in a guest room where guests would eat and sleep. So are you saying this would be both a a place where you would eat and a place where you would sleep? If you were guests. I have a hunch, Dave, that Judas brought the guards back to the room of the Last Supper. Remember, he left during the meal mm-hmm. uh, because he probably thought they were going to sleep there. Mm-hmm. But when they weren't there, he knew that Jesus was enough of a person of habit that he, there was a favorite garden where he mm-hmm. liked to pray. So don't worry, I can take you another place where probably you can get him when he's away from the crowd. Mm-hmm. But you're supposed to uh, eat and sleep in a guest room. I see. We have actually found over 1,000 first century reclining tables. So there's That's a amazing. lot we can go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay. get back to you. You gave the good question. The interesting I want to know where they were. Yes. There's an order of importance. Okay. Now your viewers don't know in advance. <laughs> and you might do the same thing Jesus' disciples did as they walked in the room and argument arose as to who was the greatest. <laughs> they knew there's an order of importance. Mm-hmm. This actually is big wigs. Over here, the big the most. Don't think of the middle like Leonardo da Vinci did. Okay. No? Then here, this is sort of sometimes wig, sometimes no wigs, medium level. <laughs> and over here, I'm sorry. These are the bald-headed guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the scum of the earth, okay. but now it makes me sound like... Okay. okay. So they go from most to least important. So, okay. Right. So Jesus would not be sitting in the middle right. if he's the most right. important person. Now, do you remember when Jesus, earlier in Luke's gospel, said, when you're invited to a feast, don't take an important place. Someone more important than you may come, and the host will move you down. Why don't you take a low place? What an honor for you, Mm -hmm. for the host to move you up. Which means everyone in Jesus' day knows about this kind of... You know, we've even found games where the board is a triclinium, and you move up and down the game board for more levels of importance. So now would Jesus then sit on the end? Okay. Do you mind, if you sit right here, Okay. I'm going to walk around you, because you're not sitting, you're lying down, remember. Okay. (laughs) So, I've moved in behind you, and this is the second place in. That's it. This would be the host. You always recline on your left elbow. You eat with your right hand, even if you're left-handed. You have to learn to eat with your right hand and uh, recline on your left elbow. For a thief to have his right hand cut off Mm -hmm. in punishment would be a social stigma. You can't have a banquet. In the healing of the man with the withered right hand, 
at the Capernaum Synagogue would be a special joy. He can now attend a banquet. Well, if that is where the host sits or lies down, yes. this must be a very special place here. On either side of the host are the main guest seats. This side of the host would be the right-hand assistant. Any host has a right-hand assistant. Okay. Uh, this comes from a military motif where a general in a battlefield, nine out of ten of them will have their sword in their right hand and their shield in their left, mm-hmm. and they can't defend their right side, so they'll have a right-hand man with a shield. So it's the most trusted position. That the ascension narrative has Jesus ascending to the right hand of God the Father means it's the most trusted position. So who would have been here? The one leaning on Jesus' chest. John. John. Do you remember, if I want to speak to the person behind me, I need to lean back. That must have galled Peter. You're not kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was numero uno, you know. (laughs) In church art, Peter's near Jesus, and Michelangelo has him near Jesus. But remember, he is not near Jesus and has to motion to John. Oh, that's right. To ask Jesus who the betrayer is, right? Okay. Now, the next important place, I'll skip over the host, is the guest of honor. It would be on the left of the host. Uh, So any host has a right-hand assistant, a guest of honor. And this is going to surprise some of our viewers. Usually, Judas is the end of the line without a halo. The way the host shows the guest of honor is to dip bread into his bowl. That's right, yes. And put it in the mouth of the guest of honor, offering the sop. Yes. And remember clearly in the Gospels, Jesus offered the sop. If you ask anyone in Jesus' day, how does one show who the guest of honor is? He shares the bowl of the host. Now here's kind of a sad thought. If Jesus has John leaning on his chest, Judas, who's already arranged to exchange information for money, has Jesus heavy on his heart in every sense of the word, I don't imagine he ate much. No. Uh, Remember, the text does say Jesus offered the dip to Judas before he left. I hope Judas knew the Lord loved him till the end. He offered him that reconciliation bread till the end. So these places we can guess. Okay, so we got John here, the Lord there, Judas there. Where is poor Peter? Okay, I'm going to need to get up and walk around, all right? (laughs) Okay. Okay. There's three evidences that the first hearers would have imagined Peter at the lowest place. It doesn't sound like Peter, does it? Particularly, Peter, as we find him in Mark's gospel, first out of the boat, first to sink, first to confess, first to deny, first to guess when he doesn't know the right answer. Remember the Lord said, I want you to forgive one another. I always picture Peter going, uh, how many times, Lord? Seven? No, 70 times seven. Three evidences. People would have pictured Peter at the lowest place. Number one is the weakest evidence. We'll just call it Peter's personality. If Peter and John schlepped everything upstairs and got the room ready, it's probably all right with Peter for Jesus to give the right-hand seat to John. I mean, John helped. But for Jesus to give the guest of honor seat to the treasurer, remember Judas kept the purse? Nobody likes the treasurer. (laughs) But, you know, 
by the way, Judas might be the only Judean. Judas Ishkariot, Judas man of Kariot. Kariot's a village south of Hebron in Judea. Oh. And remember, after Judas' tragic suicide, the ascension story, addressing the eleven, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up in the cloud? Mm. So the eleven may have been Galileans, probably Judas was a Judean. For Jesus to give the guest of uh, the host seat, uh, sorry, the guest of honor seat to Judas, probably seemed like bad judgment to Peter. Well, if I didn't get an important seat, stomp, 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 <laughs> plop, I'll make you feel bad. Now that's very human, Peter, but as we find him earlier, particularly in Mark's gospel, he seems to only open his mouth to change feet, right? He's always <laughs> saying and doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. But there's two stronger evidences. Okay. When it's time to wash the feet, everybody knows that the lowest place is supposed to wash the feet. In fact, we find a basin on oh. many archaeological digs mm-hmm. near the lowest place. Okay. If he already schlepped everything upstairs and did all this work, he's not about to do it. Nobody moves. These guys aren't feeling so bad. They're not in the place that has to do it. Oh, Peter's there. Do him good. (laughs) Normally, a good teacher tries three things when your students aren't catching on. Number one, you might just wait a while. Has anyone learned about being a servant? Nobody moves. Two, you might give a hint. Remember the Last Supper? We have Jesus saying, I don't want you to lord it over one another like the pagan Gentiles do. No one moves. And third, of course, you set the example yourself. Mm. But he uh, is probably in the place that is supposed to be doing it. Earlier, do you remember when Jesus said, one of you will betray me? Everyone says modestly, is it I? In fact, that's what's great in Michelangelo's, I mean, Da Vinci's painting. He has just said, one of you betray me. Most art until that time showed the moment of the consecration of Mm -hmm. the bread and the fruit of the vine. And everyone's face is, is it I? Could I do that? In John's Gospel, Peter says, it's not me, is it? (laughs) The not is first. Peter's sure it's not him. But remember, he was dying of curiosity to know which of these other jerks it was who was going to speak against Jesus. It says he motioned to the beloved disciple to ask Jesus who it was. Now, do you see John is looking away from everyone on his left elbow? Yes. It'd be hard for any of these people to catch John's attention. But you see from opposite, I think he took a little almond and tossed it over. <laughs> Notice my fluent Herodian people, period Hebrew. Psst. Good accent? Huh? Yeah. Psst. No, I'm making this a little bit, yours will get serious in a moment. Okay. But uh, he had to be a place he could catch the beloved disciples. Aye. But when it's time to wash the feet, here's the most important point. You're always supposed to wash them this way. Oh. Jesus took the towel and basin. And started washing the feet. Partway through, he says, uh, You guys, who's greater? The one who washes the feet 
or the one whose feet are being washed? And they say, oh, the one whose feet are being washed. And he said, yet here am I, washing your feet. And when he got to Simon Peter, you can imagine how bad he would have felt by then. Strongest evidence, Peter is the only one who refused to let Jesus wash his feet. Mm -hmm. Which would make first century hearers of the text, knowing there's a place assigned to washing them, would imagine Peter was probably the only one in the place assigned to wash the feet. Remember, it actually says he cries out, Lord, I refuse to let you wash my feet. But uh, Simon, your feet are dirty. (laughs) A great conversation. I feel so bad. Give me a bath. One who's been bathed only needs their feet washed. And so this uh, would have contributed to people picturing Peter was probably at the lowest end of the table. Um, and it's nice, isn't it, that we can picture how first century, in light of the culture, we have four descriptions in first century sources about the seating around such a table. So it's uh, something that we feel confident about. Okay. There's evidence that the Last Supper was indeed a Passover meal. One evidence is, is a reclining meal. The rabbis in the time of Jesus taught that every Jew, whether bond or free, had to have at least one meal a year reclining like a free person. Slaves had to eat standing. Ah. And that meal, reclining, should be Passover because that's the feast you remember. You used to be a slave, but now thanks to God you're free. So you must eat Passover reclining. The Last Supper is a reclining meal. Special attention to cups, aren't there? Uh, and when the meal had ended, Jesus took a cup again. Passover, you're supposed to have four cups of the fruit of the vine. It's a meal where they sing. They sang a hymn and left and went to Gethsemane. It really seems like it's a Passover meal. When the meal had ended... Jesus has a number of sayings, particularly in John's Gospel. Did you know, I'm sure you do, Dave, but it's amazing, almost half of John is Jesus' last night with the disciples. That's right. John 12 through 18 in Gethsemane. We have sayings about, I am the vine, you are the branches. About not to be sorrowful, he's going away from them, but is sending a comforter. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, But it's very important that he wash their feet. I've washed them so you will remember that I have done it. Uh, It doesn't say do this in remembrance, so it's not quite as strong as the bread Mm -hmm. and the fruit of the vine, but that you remember that I have done it. I'm not sure if you agree, but I wonder if that's Jesus organizational chart for the church. You know, if I was leaving my staff, I'd make an organizational chart. (laughs) Jesus washed their feet. The organizational chart of the church is we serve one another. Yes. And uh, that he would want them to remember that he has washed their feet. I try to remind myself whenever I'm tempted to point out someone else's dirt, What's wrong with this picture? Hasn't the Lord washed my feet? (laughs) Why am I pointing out someone else's dirt? 
Can't I give them a break? The Lord has given me a break. We also, of course, have uh, that saying of doing in remembrance of me. That word in Greek is don't have amnesia. <laughs> really? Anamnesia. Anamnesia. Um, this is important. Don't forget. This evening, these words of comforts that I've given you, the vine and the branch, the cups, uh, follow me to find the way, the truth, and the life. Remember I've washed your feet. This will help you through life. At the end of the meal, you would sing four psalms. Psalms 115, 16, 17, and 18. They're called the Hallel. They sang a hymn and left. Did you know the rabbis taught if you celebrate Passover inside the city limits of Jerusalem, you're supposed to stay inside the city limits all night. Oh. They didn't go to Bethany, did they? Like they had the other nights that week. They went to Gethsemane. Gethsemane's within the city limits. And as teachings continued as they walked to Gethsemane, the shepherd's about to be taken. The sheep will be scattered. He quotes Zechariah 13, 7. He was the brave shepherd. Do you remember when he was arrested? They thought he'd run off. Yes. So they told Judas, kiss the guy so we could quick jump on him before he leaves and we know who we're supposed to arrest. Jesus stepped forward bravely, protecting the flock. And remember, once he was assured that only he would be taken, he went willingly. And Peter and John followed. But it's a night of many failures in Peter's life. I wonder if part of what was behind Jesus saying in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I've been looking forward to eating this Passover with you. It's the only one of the seven feasts that Jews have that's at a table. And eating a meal is the way you forgive someone. Maybe he thought it would help them later in life to remember their last meal with him was at a feast at a table, a place, a setting of forgiveness that that might help them through the dark days ahead. So there's wonderful things to associate, of course, uh, with that meal. And it's great to be alive. We found so many examples of reclining tables and <laughs> seating practice, things like that. Well, you know, one of the things that... Um that excites me is that he's made a promise and that promise is one day he will return and drink the cup with us. With us. The marriage feast of the Lamb. So the, uh, the Lord's Supper today, which is based upon the Passover uh, Supper, is not only a remembrance of the past, but a remembrance of a promise of the future that he's coming again. At a table. Amen. Folks, what you have just experienced is just one of many, many, many teachings that uh, Jim Fleming can present here at the various sites of his uh, tremendous explorations in Antiquity Educational Center. Uh, you can bring church groups here. They can have a biblical meal and spend two or three days here uh, being taught about first century culture, right? Yep. Why don't you tell people how to get in touch with you or with your center? Oh, well, thanks. Just we, look at right there. We have the a camera. very complicated web page, <laughs> Digging for It. <laughs> it can be for the number or F-O-R uh, dot com. 
Um, and we also will f- you'll find on that our phone number and things like that, too. But I think the web page would be the easiest yes, way. I think There's so. maps how to get here. We've had many people from Texas to Canada to the Northeast come sometimes to church group in a bus, things right. like that. Well, it's a wonderful experience. I remember taking a, a group in Israel uh, to your first site there uh-huh. and having a biblical meal. And some of them did have trouble getting up afterwards. Uh-oh. Not because they ate so much, because they were down low. But anyway, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great experience. And Jim, I just thank you again for, for having us. And um, I pray that the Lord will continue to bless your ministry, that He will provide you with the funds you need to finish the uh, archaeological the archeolo- artifact. Oh, yeah. yes, what That'd you're doing exciting. now. That'll be great. Well, thanks for mentioning that, David. Okay. And, and we appreciate knowing you. And you the are a, a tax exempt organization, yes. so yes. people can make donations, yeah. and every donation <laughs> that is made to His ministry will be matched by a foundation. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope this visit to Jim Fleming's Antiquity Center has been a blessing to you. I'll tell you one thing, it was certainly a joy and a blessing for me and my video crew to go to his center in LaGrange, Georgia and see it firsthand. Once again, you can get detailed information about his center at diggingforit.net. You can also find information on that site about how to help him financially. He is currently trying to raise sufficient funds to construct a museum that will house archaeological artifacts that will be supplied by the Israeli government. And as he pointed out, every dollar he receives will be matched by a foundation. If you have missed seeing our previous programs in this series, you can find them posted on our website at lamblion.com. The first one demonstrated how first century people lived in tents, how they cared for sheep and goats, how they quarried stone, how they grew grapes, and how they processed grapes and olives. The second program in the series focused on the gates of first century cities and talked about their importance in the governance of the cities and in their defense of the cities when they were under siege. Incidentally, while you're at our website, please sign up to start receiving our bi-monthly magazine called The Lamplighter. It's 20 pages long and always contains a variety of articles about Bible prophecy. It also features articles written to defend the Christian faith. You can receive it either free of charge by email or you can arrange to receive it by mail. Either way, you can sign up for it at our website at lamblion.com. Next week, the Lord willing, we have one more program to show you that we have videotaped at Jim's Antiquity Center. It will focus on crucifixion and burial techniques in the first century. I think you'll find it fascinating. I hope you'll be back with us then, the Lord willing. Until then, This is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Are you interested in gaining new insights about the Bible through archaeology? Four of our Christ in Prophecy episodes with Dr. James Fleming, filmed at our studios in Dallas, can be enjoyed on one DVD entitled Biblical Archaeology. In these four fascinating programs, Dr. Fleming discusses the importance of biblical archaeology. This album is available for a gift of $12 or more, plus the cost of shipping. The Mountains of Jerusalem DVD album is one of the most popular albums we have ever produced. Dr. David Reagan is your guide on this historical journey into the Bible. You'll learn the biblical significance of four important mountains while taking a tour of the sites that distinguish each of them. The album can be yours for a gift of $15 or more, plus shipping. For a limited time, you can have both the Biblical Archaeology DVD and the Mountains of Jerusalem DVD album for a gift of $20 or more, plus shipping and handling. To get this special offer, ask for Offer 550. Call the number you see on the screen between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time or visit Lamb Lion dot com today.
Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 